Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Sasquatch. Just a few of the names given to the primate-like creature said to roam the woods and remote areas of North America. Tales of this elusive being go back for hundreds of years. Is it mere myth and legend? Or is there truly something more tangible to this phenomenon? Join us on this journey as we discuss the science behind the encounters, the research and the evidence, keeping you updated on the latest findings, ideas and hypothesis. Arrogance gets us nowhere and closing one's eyes doesn't make things disappear nor less real. Today's myth could be tomorrow's reality. It's time to make this subject matter less taboo. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Bigfoot without the BS. Welcome to the show. This is the final episode of a three-part series that I recorded with my guest, Olympic Project member Todd Hill. If you haven't listened to part one and part two of this series, make sure to do so so that you can get caught up. In this episode, Todd Hill once again joins me to wrap up this series. During the second part of this show, David Ellis of the Olympic Project joins me to discuss some of the recent and very interesting audio that we've obtained and captured from the field in this unique area. So stay tuned. When you're on that roll and stuff's going on, you know they're there. It's just, it's it's actually kind of mind-blowing because there's so many days where you're, you're doing this and there's nothing going on. There's nothing happening. You're not finding anything. It's just grinding right that's a lot of research is just boring mm-hmm. you know you're getting out in the woods it's great and all but there's nothing happening squatch wise so when this significant <laughs> this something this significant happens it's so exciting you got to capitalize on yeah it. yeah i mean i was ready to just take the week off work and stay out stay out there the whole time and looking back i wish i would have with what happened with the damn virus i'm pissed about that yeah i mean like i said that that screwed up our plans from almost day one. But yeah. So we went back out on Friday, do a normal thing, hit the nest. We're exploring a little bit other areas. Nothing much happened that day. But as usual, we have audio going and we retire for the night. You know, that night is when I captured that gnarly growl that Friday night. I yeah. wrote it down in my notes. And so Friday, March 6th, we were there. We got loads of audio, and I'm going to play some of it, play some of that audio during this show. And one of those clips, I don't know, you're going to have to find it, but one of those clips you sent me while this was going on actually has speech at the end of it, which is very weird. It sounds like a woman. It's weird. It is. It raised the hair on my neck the first time I heard it, so you're going to have to find that. I uh, in it, like Right away, I was texting you. 
this sounds like the female one in Moorhead's. Oh, in the yeah, the uh, the Ron Moorhead yeah. recordings, yeah, the, the Sierra it's, sounds. It sounds a lot like that. What they're claiming is a female. It sounds just like that. So <laughs> it's weird, man. It's odd. But uh, yeah, so we got a lot of audio. We, we had audio running all the time out there. I mean, man, I don't know how many freaking batteries we went through. Oh my god, I was going to Costco and buying those packs of batteries with all the game cameras and recording. One of the things that Derek Randall's had mentioned, you know, because a lot of times we would hike in around this area quite frequently in the month of February and, you know, obviously March, there was like zero sign of deer, which was very odd. Usually you'll jump a deer out there at some point, somewhere, somehow. Mm -hmm. There was like no sign of deer. I also thought it was really weird that really there was no sign of um, February. You start usually in this particular area, you start seeing a little bit of sign of bear. Yeah. A little bit of bear activity. Definitely in March. And both in, you know, February and March, I didn't see diddly squat. I mean, nothing. And we weren't getting anything on the, no deer on game cameras, no deer or bear on game cameras. And I've done it before in this area. There was just zilch for a while there. And Derek had pointed out the deer thing. So it's weird. I, we haven't jumped any deer in, in. I haven't seen any deer out here. I haven't seen really any sign of deer. No deer scat, no deer impression. It's just like they vacated the area or avoiding it. I don't know. You know, I don't know what's going on there. But usually it's prime habitat for both species, bear and, you know, ungulates. So very odd, very odd. But yeah, so getting back to the Friday, we uh, do our thing out there. We come back to camp, spend the night. Don't believe we had anything happen. Yeah, so Saturday morning, we wake up and we're joined by Chris Spencer. You know, Chris Spencer, he's also a project member. Chris Spencer comes out. We invited him out to help scour the area and wanted to get his feedback and thoughts and set up long-term audio, which we did. We set up long-term audio uh, that day. Chris helped me set up really neat unit that he specializes in and it can record upwards of 20 days depending on how you set it um we set it up to record from 9 p.m at night to like six in the morning i still haven't gone through that audio i got 25 nights of recordings and i'm not i've yet to go through that audio i haven't touched it yet i have more audio to send to david ellis oh, we I've, got only, loads. I've sent him just a few clips to clean up and that growls one he sent back, which was the first time I heard that, I was just blown away. I've never heard that before anywhere, and neither is he. So I was really excited. I was sending it to you guys, listen to this, listen to this. <laughs> I was stoked because you visually look at it and it's weird. It's oh, like yeah. David will tell you, it's, it's not a dog, it's not a this, it's not that. It's, it's visually speaking, when you throw up on Sonic Visualizer, you look at it like in a spectrogram fashion. It's odd. It, and we got lots of recordings that are just, Bizarre. It sounds massive. It sounds massive. And pissed. Yeah. So that Saturday, Chris comes out and we basically go, we set up camp, go straight into the nest to collect anything else that's left. Cause like we, the virus is here. All this is, we know stuff's going to happen. We have to get everything we can. Like this is our last weekend. Yeah. We're a cleanup crew. (laughs) Yeah. That's so frustrating. So you're collecting all the rest of the nest debris. We're looking for impressions. We're looking for hair. The same. We're doing the same thing. Chris is like, his mind is blown. I yeah. remember he's like, holy moly, you guys did it. Wow. Yeah. He was just mind blown. That's everyone's impression when they actually see it in person. Every time, right? If Every you time. you see it in person and you see where these things are and how hard they are to get to, it's pretty incredible. But um, you guys are doing your thing over by the actual nest area. And I had my GoPro running always. I saw, uh, I was looking for hair 
left of the nest, probably yeah. like 15 feet over because there were some breaks there. Le- left feet and a little bit down slope. Just yeah. a little, yeah, decline. Um, I decided I was going to go down on my hands and knees and crawl around because it's so thick. Yeah. You can't really walk through it. And that's when I came upon the other impression. I crawled right up on it and it was right in front of a log, 14 inches again. 14 inches. A right foot. And it was clear as day, right? I'm like, here's a, here's a track. Holy mackerel, we didn't even see it the whole time. We missed it uh, on that side, basically, because nobody had really trekked back there to look for anything, and you got down low. Right. And, yeah, I mean, you said, hey, Shane, come here, and I walk over there, and I went, holy moly. Yeah, I I knew what it was, but I said, hey, Shane, come here. Crawl this way, stay a few feet from that log, and tell me what you see. Yeah. Oh, it's clear as day. (laughs) It's stuck out. I didn't want you to put your hand in it or, you know. I was like, don't go too close to that log. Just look over there. So, yeah. Well, it was cool because you found it and you got the cast and that was awesome. And we collected that as well. And so to date, we have two hand impressions casted, a partial. Uh, one of them turned out spectacular. The left hand that was down on the slope. I mean, that one, I don't know what to say about it. It's amazing. We got uh, four foot impressions. I did cast another that Derek Randalls and Tori, his wife, had found. But it was different area, but relatively speaking, very close to the nest site. I did cast that one. It was on a logging road. So uh, that one's casted. That was about between 14 and 15 inches. It was very difficult to cast because it was kind of in some gravel. It didn't come out that great, but possibly five casts, definitely four, you know, especially in person. The, the one, one you found was so impressive. Mine, the, uh, the picture is better than the cast yeah. itself, which is usually the opposite that forest floor and all the debris just doesn't turn out that great. Right. It's the one time where the video and the pictures do the more justice luckily, than the cast. Luckily I took a lot of pictures and I have it on video and I talk about it, but uh, it's interesting because I got, I cleaned up that cast and I had it on my kitchen counter and I was taking pictures to send you guys the, the side profile when you're looking at it from the side, it, it is crazy. It looks exactly like the Patterson casts with that mid-tarsal break. It's nuts. And it's also the same size. Same size, 14 inches. 14 inches. When you start thinking about this, you know, with the nest stuff, because I've talked about this before, but I got to bring it up. You know, 1967, when, they, they, when Roger and Bob filmed a Sasquatch patty, you know, I've talked about this, you know, where there was actual um, Lyle Laverty, a, a timber cruiser. He worked for the timber company out there. He came across that year uh, relatively, I think, uh, may have been October. I don't think he re- quite recollects, but he found a nest uh, above Scorpion Creek, which feeds into Bluff Creek. He found a large nest that he described and his description from uh, Daniel Perez's interview with Lyle Laverty. It's spot on. Um, size and I don't believe it was made out of huckleberry, but it was a large nest. And then you put that in conjunction, this nest find with the Patterson scenario, the Patterson Gimlin film, Patty there, a female Sasquatch, okay, a female Sasquatch. And then you look, you fast forward to this unique find over these, no, since 2016, these nests being found by a timber cruiser again, Mm -hmm. the original set. And now you go and you're looking at this new nest find where you're getting these 14 inch tracks. In my head, you're, we're dealing with a birthing scenario or a, a pre-birthing scenario or a post-birthing scenario with a female Sasquatch, you know, these 14-inch tracks. It's the perfect size 
I think of a female. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I'm getting at, it's just a lot of things are clicking in my head, making sense as to what possibly, what the scenario is going on out here periodically, maybe every four years. I don't know. The, I, there's so many, so many thoughts. I mean, what do you think? I mean, the 14 inch track you found, uh, you got a nest. Oh in, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, agree. Uh, it's possible that these nests are being built more frequently, but it's just interesting that the find was four years later in the same month of February. February. The fact is you would need somebody, you need a whole crew out there day in and day out searching these areas to find more nests more frequently because it's just such a large area. And I think it's, it's just about impossible. You'd have to be out there every day scouring through these through the brush to find more nests more frequently it's, it's so difficult at the same time you remember Derek we had this conversation where you know ethically speaking are we chasing off all that work that went into that you know at one point I felt kind of guilty that yeah. we stumbled across it because there was obviously a tremendous amount of work that went into preparation and it wasn't even finished we caught the culprit in the act but I felt dang you know uh did we just totally disrupt something and, and really screwed up, you know, some sort of scenario, burning scenario or, or whatever. I don't necessarily want to come across newer nests. Like I, want, I want to find them after the fact, I guess. Yeah. Cause I don't want to disrupt it. Uh, and I felt kind of guilty at the time. At the same time, we're, that's what we're out there to do. And it was by pure accident that we stumbled across that day. We would have found it probably the next following day anyways. Yeah. So yeah, I just, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you feel kind of guilty about it, but we're in it for the science and you, you just got to keep plugging forward. Um, I'm hoping that critter went somewhere else and, and made another nest. As far as I know, it had not come back into the nest area itself. Maybe, probably not. But definitely what we've been doing, I've been, I was going out there frequently with um, audio equipment. I would set up for, it would record for two days, two to three nights. And I, I did a process of doing that every week. And um, I did capture a lot of really neat stuff, I think, that I'll play on the show here. A lot of unique sounds, audio sounds, percussives. And I would uh, send them off to David Ellis. I'd go collect the audio, place SD cards, batteries. Even though I had the long-term unit out there, I was making it. I wanted to be, I wanted to have multiple audio units out there. And we, we did that. We, we got a lot of interesting sounds. I don't have anything out there currently. Uh, the weather and with this whole freaking virus thing, it's really, like I said, screwed everything up. But it's an area that uh, we, we're monitoring. We're going to go back out there, do some more audio work, some more scouting. And uh, yeah. yeah, at this point, I haven't been out there for three months. Has it been that long? Yeah. Wow. When things were hot and heavy, in a two-week span, I was there seven days. Yeah. <laughs> seven days. I just, I'm looking at my notes here, and I had no intention of stopping. I, I we were just going to be there every weekend. My wife was already sick of it. <laughs> She's like, how many times are you going to go out there? <laughs> I had to explain to her what was going on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit closer, so it's, it's much easier for me to get in and out of this area uh, than you. You were making a heck of a trek, but you were making the most of it. You, you know, we were, we were camping out. Yeah. We didn't really want to leave Barry. We wanted to capture sounds. We wanted to experience. We, want, we were doing thermal work at night. And once again, just no animals on the therm. I mean, just like nothing on the therm. I, I think we heard uh, at most and maybe saw an owl, you know, barn owl. And, and that, that was the extent of it. I mean, there really was no animal life out there. I wasn't getting on therm. A, a mouse or two, no, uh, no deer, no bear. It's, uh, 
you should talk talk about the thing you possibly saw that Saturday. Oh, yeah. So one our one our tidbit I forgot to mention was that Friday that we were you came back out, Todd, the the Saturday before Chris came out. We back out there to go scouting and look for more stuff. And on our way, um, as I'm looking around in the woods, I quite possibly saw something. I saw something move, and it was, you know, um, hundred. Well, I should say it was about, it was about 150 yards away, somewhere around there. Wouldn't you say maybe a little less? Yeah, and with the huckleberry and everything else. The only way you could see anything is if it's big or tall. And that's You're what, not going to see any other animals. Yeah. So, it, no, it was roughly about 100 yards away. But what I saw was it looked like something black and upright moving swiftly from tree to tree and then go behind a large huckleberry uh, bush. Can I say 100%? No. But I was pretty dang sure I saw what Given I saw. Given the circumstances. Given the circumstances. I didn't hear anything. Location. It was just a black figure. Given the area, too. Could have been a bear, sure. It would have had to have been a bear standing. For, yeah, it would have had to been a bear. But they're not very fast standing up. No, not they're not swift. This thing, this thing was fluid. It was. Uh, it, it, yeah, I, I don't know what to think of it. I didn't capture it on my GoPro. But either way, uh, that was another interesting thing, and it was right there in the direction we were going to be heading. Yep. And so when we saw that, or I, I think I, I saw what I saw. I decided to keep my head on a swivel for sure <laughs> because we were going to head right there and uh, didn't find any impressions over there. Didn't see anything, didn't hear anything in that area as our, on our way in. But that got me thinking, you know, if I saw what I saw, there's something still here and it's watching us. And yeah. it actually was pretty much paralleling us. Oh, you know that that Saturday night when Chris came, when we were sitting around the fire. That's the night I got that freaked out feeling. That's happened to me twice on these trips. Last year up at the OP property, yeah. a remote camp, but that's the only time it's happened to me here. You get that freaked out feeling like I, I can't describe it, but I literally have to move my chair. I moved my chair closer to Chris because my back is towards the nest. <laughs> and I'm like, I am not feeling comfortable right now. I get that weird you gotta, freaked out feeling. I'm like, I got to move my chair. You trust I your just gut. feel like something's behind me. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably was. <laughs> and, and it's the weirdest thing. It just comes, it just comes up on you like it out of nowhere. Yeah. Like I am not, I'm feeling really anxious or nervous right now for some reason. I've gotten that feeling too. Yeah. And it's just something you, you can't shake. You, you gotta, you gotta listen to it. It's, uh, it's, it's, I remember that was feel ridiculous. So like, I feel weird right now. I'm kind of freaked out for no reason. I got to move my chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did. <laughs> yeah, I did. And then you got, I'm thinking, well, peace feeling something. And then it huh? goes away. Yeah. That's the other thing. It just goes away. It's so weird. <laughs> it is odd. But I, I was going to mention too the we some of the, some of your recordings, uh, some of the good ones were when we left camp, you know. Yes. And we come back and uh, we wouldn't listen to the audio that night, but stuff would happen when we left camp. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, shoot, man, that's really interesting. Something is paying attention to us. Yep. And uh, some of the, some of the really unique recordings were when we left camp, and then you know, it's just too bad we have to work. It's too bad we have to work, and it's too bad. Like I said, I was telling Cliff this and Meldrum and Derek and you. To me, amazing, wonderful find at the worst time when yeah. you have this pandemic set up. Universities are closing. People are, you know, not worried about Bigfoot or samples or anything. And so, just it was a. It's an amazing, cool find. We. It's still ongoing. You know, we're still monitoring this area. I still, I got hair samples to, to go through and send off. We got. Much yep. study to do on on the hand cast and the foot impressions, but it really painted a really unique picture. And now things are loosening up. We can start hitting it. And this is a great time of year. 
you just gotta look, look out for those uh, murder hornets. <laughs> <laughs> They're here in Washington. Pandemic and now murder hornets. What's next? Yeah. So, in conclusion, <laughs> in in conclusion, but not but to be continued. Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, I was really stoked the way things worked out to have Todd out there, and Todd's been on. You know, been helping out uh, in this ongoing study. I'm really stoked to have Cliff Berkman come out and give his expertise and his ideas and his just help out with that. And having Derek and James obviously out there been a, and Chris Spencer, it's been a group effort. Like I said before, we really nailed down what to look for and where to look for it. And now, you know, I think we're starting to look at maybe possible patterns here of um, cycles, you know, every four years possible, every five years, uh, what areas to look in. There's more nests out there, no doubt about it, uh, in different parts, I'm sure, not just in this area. I'm st- still not sure if Sasquatch makes nests all the time. I don't think so. I think it's periodic. I think it's, for, it's made for a purpose. The amount of work that goes into these things, it wouldn't be a one-night no, thing. No, no, So, it's, lots of theories. Well, definitely persistence pays off. We've spent a lot of time in that area. <laughs> a lot of time. A lot of time and a lot of money and a lot of gas. What can you say? Yeah, paid off. Yeah. Paid off this time around. And, uh, hopefully something more can come from this. We'll we do see. have a lot of soil from that area also. I, now I know what we're looking for, know where to look. It's just going to get better and better. Like I'm very much an optimist. I think it's just we're, we're on the cusp of big things. We just got to be tedious about it and do, do our due diligence and keep plugging away. We're, we're getting somewhere, I believe. And, and it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting for me. Me too. <laughs> yep. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Thanks, Todd. And uh, we'll be uh, hitting the trails here and non-trails as well here <laughs> very soon. Upwards and onwards. And now to wrap up this series, I'd like to welcome on my guest, David Ellis of the Olympic Project, as we discuss and play for you some of the unique and very interesting audio that we've obtained recently from this area while doing our investigations. Welcome on David Ellis of the Olympic Project, a really good friend of mine and one of the top guys of the Olympic Project, especially when it comes to audio analysis. David is my go-to guy, and not just my go-to guy, but also the go-to guy from within the Olympic Project and also from around the country, a lot of people send David Ellis clips. He's been on the show multiple times. He's been on a lot of shows, and, and that's because David Ellis doesn't just listen to audio. He looks at audio, and he uses a lot of different uh, methods. One of the methods he uses is a program called Sonic Visualizer, which is basically listening and looking at the audio. And David uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. And thank you for all of your hard work <laughs> in regards to this new new Nest site and this audio program we've kind of put into place. One of the elements that we added, obviously, was collecting audio to create a bigger picture. And you've been an intricate, intricate part of all this. So thanks for joining us. And if you don't mind, David, can you just tell the audience a little, just a smidgen about yourself, but also uh, get into how you do audio analysis? Okay. Well, let me first uh, thank you, Shane. Uh, you've been a, a one-man promoter for my work and have got me lots and lots of uh, calls and 
people sending me audio to analyze. Uh, you're always talking me up, so that is that is much appreciated. I don't uh, go around tooting my horn very much. You know me. Uh, I just like to do the do the work and uh, let people come to their own conclusions. But uh, a little bit about me. I'm born and raised here in Washington State, 68 years young. <laughs> Live uh, here in, I guess, the Puget Sound area uh, is close enough. And became part of the Olympic project in 2010. Uh, brought to the table the ability to do audio analysis, audio recording, and uh, a little bit of track casting knowledge. Never hurt uh, either. So. I do that for the Olympic project, and uh, I have done numerous recording projects with witnesses from all over the country. And uh, a lot of people send me recordings as well. But what's interesting is that I'm starting to collect uh, specific sounds that seem to be repeated by the specific target we're looking for. I can't conclude that, but the, the sounds don't seem to fit into anything that is known by me. Maybe other people will point that out at a later time, but uh, what's interesting is the, the specific types of vocalizations seem to be prevalent in areas that we are looking for Sasquatch. Yeah, absolutely. And you've done a ton of work, and I know over the years managed to collect quite the library of sounds. As we've talked about in the past on Monstroids Radio, if you guys aren't familiar with David Ellis, check out some of our past episodes. But David, David is a pillar in, the, in this community for sure and definitely a staple when it comes to recording. And I'm not going to blow his head up anymore, but he's, <laughs> David's really helped myself, especially as of late in regards to our new nest find and the audio analysis. I go out in the field and I record stuff. And yes, I do have a through David and, and a few others some a skill set of, of looking at audio. David always seems to pull out things that I, I don't find or I don't see, and it always blows my mind. I, you know, you work with a lot of uh, I guess audio gurus or a few that have helped you out over the years. That right? Yes, I, I stand on the shoulders of many. There's been quite a few that have helped me along the way, uh, even within our own group. You know, Paul Graves was one of the, my confidants early on. Uh, when I started recording, he, he showed me uh, and taught me some sounds to be specifically looking for. Um, Monongahela has been just an incredible source of information and knowledge. And it was uh, through his tutelage that I was able to understand and get into the ball game of spectrographic analysis so he he brought me along with that and then i've refined my personal uh, abilities to edit uh, through a, a vehicle called spectral layers which allows me to see as i do in a spectrographic analysis tool in sonic visualizer i'm able to see and edit uh, sounds using um, a, a spectrogram. So I know exactly the sound where it resides, what it is I want to enhance, and also reduce some of the background sounds. So uh, the sounds come forward that we're really interested in. Yeah, and we're going to be playing some, uh, some of these recent recordings from this year, earlier on this year on the show, that 
I've obtained through placing audio out in the field, as has Todd Hale of the Olympic Project. Between the two of us, we've captured quite a few really intriguing sounds, and David has gone through countless hours of audio visually looking at these particular sounds, and that's what we're going to be playing for you this evening, and we're going to get uh, some feedback from David on, and myself, as to why uh, these are interesting, not just to the ear, per se, but also visually, why they kind of stand out, and I think you guys are going to enjoy a lot of these sounds. David, how much time did you... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time, I know. Well, you know what? I'm uh, retired, so I'm off the clock. So I don't pay attention to how long it takes me to get stuff done. I don't know if you can hear my dog, Rex, in the background. He's barking. But if you can't, that's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was a Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes he can be confused for one. He's about half as big as one. Holy smokes. <laughs> What I found interesting with our nest site is that uh, one of the areas that I'm looking at or one of the sounds that I look for when people send me recordings that I, I've recorded in, in our area and as well as heard it in other areas is a, a thing called singing. And we have recorded that here. And we have also recorded it in areas we're working with witnesses nearby. So this seems to be something that it needs to be paid attention to when we hear it because it's uh, a little more significant than just an odd sound. Um, it's a, a repeated type of specific sound that I think may be correlated with the Sasquatch. It's really interesting to me some of the similarities that you have in your library, some of the similarities I've heard over the years and recorded, and now you kind of build up this portfolio uh, from around the country of similar yeah. sounds. Uh, it's, it's amazing stuff. And these clips here uh, were recorded in the month of February and March, and we'll go through that as, you know, I'm gonna, we're going to start out in February. Some of the more interesting and compelling sounds, obviously there were many, and uh, the show's kind of limited. So we're only going to play a snippet of some of the recordings we have here uh, on the show. But go ahead, David. Yeah, one of the things that's very important is, is context. Now, uh, what's lost in the clips that we're going to play is the context of the situation. And maybe I can help elaborate. However, these are just kind of the icing or cream, <laughs> uh, the top layer of things that people might find interesting. As I found things, I jotted it down. So I have a log of all of the recordings that you have sent me. And there's quite a bit of information that's going on and things that, you know, may make more sense to us uh, since we're working the area than it would to, to somebody else. So the context is that you found another area very similar to the original nest site and came to the conclusion that there was a possibility that somebody or something was creating a new nesting area. It seemed like it was in the formative stages. So that meant that they're around if that's true. And if that was true, then hopefully they would be 
making some sort of noise uh, while they were in the area. And what you captured um, proved to me without a shadow of a doubt that there is something very interesting going on here because it can't all be explained away by being a bear, being a cougar, being a person, that sort of thing. So hopefully when we go through and play some of these clips that are the icing on the cake, um, just know that there are things that had happened that led us to think that this is an important clip. Yeah, yeah. This is part three of a three-part series. And uh, if people are interested and have not gone back and listened to the first two episodes of this three-part series, please do. It'll give you context and maybe help explain as to why we set out to record in this area. Even even though it's very close to a lot of different little areas that we're very heavily invested in and interested in, uh, there's a lot of context there in those first two episodes. I think uh, the audio will speak for itself in a lot of ways, and you will find it very interesting, as did we. And as David said, this really is kind of like the icing on the cake for us. There's a lot more audio, and it's an area where I'm still recording in and uh, hope to obtain some, some other audio that David can look at, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Excellent, David. Well, David, let's jump into some of these clips. These first six clips we're going to play are from the month of February. Most of them, if not all of them, I think with the exception of maybe one, are all looped about five times. Just to throw that out there, it's very important. They're looped, so they're going to play over and over again so as to give you good quality of sound and you can really take in what we've recorded. You know, as David always says, you listen to it really briefly and, and you pass by it, so you kind of like, well, I, I need to hear that again. By looping it, you really get, at least for me as well, you get the feel for it and you get to really take it in. So David has taken the time to loop these and uh, we're going to jump in into the month of February. It was the same time frame as to when we, Todd Hill and I came across this uh, new find and had our experience out there and we started to record in this area. David, I'm going to start out with possible whoop, which is looped five times. That one is it's almost like your classic whoop, yeah. right, David? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. There's not too much to explain. It sure says whoop, whatever that is. But what uh, is interesting is this particular whoop was in a lower hertz. In other words, the the tone was lower than a typical whoop. Whoops seem to be a, a higher pitch sound. This was definitely in the lower pitch category, which I I, I found interesting. I know over the years you've recorded your own whoops and you've been sent a lot of whoops and this one definitely in this area stood out. Yeah. Now, not only is the sound similar, but the visual representation makes it known that it's a, it's a, it's a whoop. Whatever animal produces that whoop sound, which we think we know what it is, <laughs> is making this particular sound. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a person. Uh, it's not anything that I am familiar with at this point in time. Doesn't mean I can't be proven wrong, but it just means that right now it falls into that highly suspicious category visually as well as audio. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, visually looking at it, it stands out and it's an oddity for sure. Yes. All right. We're going to jump down to one of the, another classic, uh, a power strike. And this is also looped five times. And uh, this wasn't the only one recorded, but I guarantee this is one of the more interesting ones. And that's why we're sharing it. And this is one that David clipped as well out of uh, some of the audio I recorded. Here we go. Now, David, some of the listeners may listen to that and say, hey, um, what, what makes that a power strike and not a vocal? Right. Well, it's, a, it's the signature and uh, visual signature, I should say. You can, you can tell a, a power strike right away. It is, well, have you ever, Shane, have you ever heard a power strike in the field? Yes, yes, absolutely. And it's an attention getter. It uh, pretty much stops you dead in your tracks. I've been within a hundred yards of a power strike and recorded it. And um, <laughs> once you hear one, you know what it sounds like. Once you see one or see the result, you know what it looks like. So this is definitely a power strike. And uh, honest to goodness, I don't know what they use to to make that volume of sound but uh, it is incredible and i'm almost positive it is not a, a vocalization but it is uh, object on object and what they use sometimes it sounds like a log and who would have the ability to swing a log <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, and especially up here in Pacific northwest where you know this time of year well, this time of year, things are really dry. Month of February and March, things are pretty wet. To find the perfect log, yes. that that was obviously looped five times, so it was like a one-strike sort of scenario. But, you know, and I've never been fortunate. I've heard power strikes in, in the past, never been fortunate to record in person. But in one encounter, I heard multiple power strikes and had a rock thrown at our camp. So I often oh. think that – I often think that – uh uh, maybe as one scenario is that it's a rock on a tree if it's the right sounding tree and depending on where it's recorded yeah it may sound uh, at least on audio like a vocal but when you look at it visually you can see and compare it and you can really get in the signature it, you could tell that it's a power strike of some something's hitting a tree uh, with great force or something of that nature now what's uh, what's interesting is that the power strike actually came about three hours before the whoop and what wasn't recorded but also happened within about two and a half hours of the power strike there were some heavy footsteps that were near the recorder so that kind of ties into this as well it's context right yeah definitely context and, and it leaves you going hmm you know one of those one of those many things that make you go, hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that together they weave kind of a story of what was happening in the area. So that whoop and that power strike were in the same night within three hours of each other. Yeah, and that's very interesting. And, and the vast majority of these sounds, and correct me, David, if I'm wrong, but the vast majority of this audio that you've picked through 
the interesting stuff was recorded from about dusk till just before dawn, a little bit earlier? Yes. There is a, I believe that there is um, a category that um, our, our good friend, oh gosh, uh, name is escaping me. He's going to kill me. <laughs> uh, I know his name, but I can't say his name. He's got an, uh, an acronym. Squatch Metrics? Yes, yeah, Squatch Metrics. <laughs> or Squatch, I should say Squatcher Metrics. Yeah, Squatcher Metrics. That's the one I couldn't think of. I could think of his real name. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, he uh, seemed to have vocalizations uh, that happened during a certain period in the early evening and uh, uh, vocalizations that happened in later in the in the morning, in the early morning hours before sunrise. So, you know, anytime between three and four thirty or somewhere in there, you're probably going to have more vocalizations than a, between one and two o'clock in the morning. Not that they don't happen. It's just that there seems to be a higher regularity early in the evening and later in the early morning. That's a whole nother topic for another show and very interesting because it's you know almost like coming and going <laughs> sort of sort of right thing. right they go about their business and then they re reconnect yeah and yeah. so the best way to do that is you know through stealth with wood knocking or you know short bursts like a whoop kind of a thing the long vocalizations i have suspect that are have more meaning than uh, just a just a howl. There's a good reason why they do things. They don't. They seem to choose their behaviors uh, quite rationally. Absolutely, and and we do have a few of those long howls coming up yes. here shortly. Um, yes. The next vo uh, the next vocal we're going to play is it's you've labeled it vocalization two, and it's there also was more there. There was more than one. This one I just happened to like a little better than the other ones. Also, this was uh, within. 30 minutes of that power strike. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play it and we can comment some more on it. Here we go. Sure. It's, it's also looped five times. Yeah, to me, that just doesn't sound like a coyote or a dog, which would be the lead suspects. And I've spent a lot of time recording this area. Do I get coyotes? Oh, yeah, I get coyotes occasionally. Oh, yeah. It's not uh, that we don't have, we haven't recorded them. We have quite a few examples. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, n none of them compare to that, even remotely. No. And in conjunction with the power strike, it's also very, once again, very interesting. <laughs> so uh, just to, to, restate that was just a vocalization of a few there was more than than i think i had like four vocalizations and this was the one that i i liked the best no it makes sense i i like that one as well we have kind of a interesting scenario playing out at least in my head when it comes to these multiple sounds on the same night yes so here we go okay we're, we're getting to interesting actually david i'm gonna have you explain this one a little bit Interesting and familiar scream. This is looked five times, but you've labeled it interesting and familiar scream. If you could 
talk a little bit about that before I play it? Sure. This fits in that category that I uh, talked about earlier, singing. So that's why it's familiar. And I just find it interesting that there is this attribute to their vocalizations that would have some sort of a sing-song uh, feel to it. And I think you'll recognize that right off when we hear the recording. It, it's recorded all across the country in areas that people are claiming that they have Sasquatch activity happening. Fantastic. Let me get into this. Once again, this is looped five times. And that, David, this is one of those particular recordings that just kind of blows my mind. Uh, it's <laughs> one I've listened to time and time again. It's, like you said, it's uh, very similar to recordings from around the country, recordings up here in Washington that we're very familiar with. What does that? <laughs> I don't know. They have good whiskey, though. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a little we'll brown sugar bourbon. Him, we'll have to invite him up for karaoke night at the OP. No, I can't <laughs> compete against that. <laughs> oh, man. No, it's, it's phenomenal. And that was uh, such a great capture by you looking through the audience and finding that. Like I said, that one is just so dang interesting to me. And, of course, I'm privy to the area where it was recorded, how it was recorded. Well, as the crow flies, there's another uh, singing vocalizer that uh, a witness that I worked with for quite some time recorded it numerous times. Sound very simil similar to what was just recorded there. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, That's what so, I was alluding to. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm just reaffirming. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that one's, uh, that one's very interesting. The next one we're going to play, this one definitely needs context because it's something I, I came across and I sent it to David and David agreed with me that it was, it's labeled something large in the brush. Now, this is interesting to me personally because how I had my recorder placed, whatever this was, was in semi-close proximity to my recorder. And this one happened to occur, oh, a week or so, I believe, after Todd Hale and I, maybe in a few days, if I'm not mistaken, after Todd Hale and I had come across possible new nest and had our experience and it sounds very large in the brush you're going to hear movement so what you're going to be listening to is looped three times and it's labeled something large in the brush and i will give some commentary after i play this recording and i'll get david's feedback
Okay, David, obviously that was looped three times. When I was listening, and at least to me, knowing the area, I had this recorder placed on a log, uh, Tascam DRO5, and yet something very large seems to come through there. Now, I'm not going to try and say exactly, I don't know exactly what it was doing, but it was definitely moving through the Salalness area and the Huckleberry. I don't know if it was yeeting on stuff or smashing stuff down. What are your thoughts? I found this, for me, just the mass of this, uh, knowing the area, it was compelling. Well, it seems like you were hearing footsteps at the very beginning. Uh, it sounds like some sort of stomping. Now, that's what it seems like. I, you know, you can't confirm one way or another. So this is a subjective process right now because even visually, I don't know of a human that could stomp like that, but I suppose. <laughs> so you'd have to do some experimentation. The other thing that I could be talked into that it's brush beating, that it's pounding with something rather than stepping, like you were alluding to, maybe beating the brush down. What's interesting is, and if you want to play it and listen for it, there are two vocalizations, very light. So they're probably farther away, but there are vocalizations. So if if you want to play that and listen for it now, now that I've told you that you're they're there, because you're focused mostly on the stomping and the brush, but uh, there are two vocalizations. See if you can catch those. Yeah, it, you know these are certain recordings I kind of personally live for. I love it when I hear that. Either it's something bipedal stomping around, or like you said, David, something smashing the the brush around that area. That when I heard that originally. I was pretty enthralled with it, knowing the area itself and the amount of brush. And you can't run through this area. It's very difficult terrain and thick terrain. And something seemed to be seemed to be stomping around. Could be completely wrong. Could have been smashing stuff. Yeah. the The unfortunate thing is that now now we know what was going on because we've listened to it. But that weeks have transpired, so you don't have the ability to go around and look around to see what was thrashing about what you know vegetation had been damaged it's it's almost like you have to do a blind study where you go back to the area and you write down everything you see and just see if it fits maybe somewhere along the line with what was recorded you know it, it's one of those areas where everything's so <laughs> thick and you have yeah. tree falling up i'm not sure i would have found anything anyways you're definitely right. not going to find impressions per se no. in this area it's just one of those things where the audio, you just have to go with the audio. And, you know, it's interesting, obviously not, not definitive in any nature. We don't know what did that. Um, and, but that did occur, if I'm not mistaken, that occurred sometime after 11 p.m. I just don't remember the exact time with that particular one. But it was, it was later hours in, in, behind locked gates. So you're not, yeah, behind locked gates, you're not going to have people stomping around back there. No, not in this area. <laughs> no. So, uh, I, mean, I, I mean, personally, I can almost 100% rule out people. I can't rule out other things. But once again, another interesting audio that, uh, of something large, in my opinion. Okay, let's jump into two long screams. And uh, this is also looped. So we're going to uh, jump into this two long screams.
And that was looped three times. Once again, David, that's <laughs> another really interesting piece of audio. Now, I, I labeled it two long screams, but people are going, I heard three. <laughs> and you did. But the little scream is sandwiched between the two long screams. What I find interesting is that I don't think the first scream and the second scream, the second long scream, are done by the same subject. I think there could be two, possibly three vocalizers. That one short vocal overlaps the one, the first vocalizer. So as the first vocalizer is sort of fading out, the second one chimes in, and then as it fades out, a third vocalization starts. So there's three vocalizations, but the two that are interesting are very long screams, which I find it very hard to sustain a loud vocal for any length of time. So uh, I think any voice actor will tell you that it's very, very difficult to carry a very powerful scream for a long time. You know, for argument's sake or for those thinking that maybe it's a canine, any thoughts there? Uh, you know, uh, you can propose that, but show me the canine that vocalizes like that visually, and now we can talk. So that's the beauty of visual analysis. I don't really pay too much attention to what people hear or they think they hear because the ear picks up the sound, but the mind interprets. And the audio is one of the least things that we can come to any sort of agreement upon what we're hearing. <laughs> There's that wide a variety in, in the ability of people to hear. Some people have perfect pitch. Some people have what's called a tin ear. So we don't all hear the same. The one thing that we can have a little bit more better agreement on is visual analysis. So when you tie the two together, you have something a little more powerful. So if for those that want to say, oh, that's just a dog, show me the dog. <laughs> show me the breed that vocalizes like that. And then send me an audio clip of it vocalizing like that. I'll put it into a spectrogram and we'll put the two side by side and then you can determine yourself. Well said, David. Well said. And uh, I knew you would have the perfect answer. Well, I don't know if it's perfect, but it's an answer. It's a great answer. Um, <laughs> and I, I had to ask that because, uh, you know, occasionally I get comments, you know, well, I think it's this. I'm like, well, you could think all you want to go look at it visually. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with you having an opinion. Uh, I have one, too. Um, my opinion is this is strange. Your opinion, and it is not. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I, that's, it doesn't bother me one way or another. I, I just have an opinion of that. I think I can back up a little better. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, now we're going to move into some clips from the month of March of this year, 2020. We're going to move into some clips from the month of March. Of course, this isn't everything, the end-all, be-all from the month of March. These are just some of the more interesting, kind of like David said, icing on the cake sort of uh, audio clips. There's many more, but uh, we're going to get into some of these uh, that were recorded in the same area, uh, but in the month of March. And the first one up is definite voice. And this is looped five times. And we'll play it and then we'll get some commentary on that.
All right, David, that was Luke five times, obviously, like I said. Uh, why did you label this one definite voice for the audience? Well, I've recorded that voice before in another location. So for me, it was just confirmation. Now, whether it's the same subject, that I'm not sure, but that voice structure uh, is very familiar to me from working with another witness close to the area that we're working. Whether it's the same individual, uh, regardless of what it is, the same individual or not, it's very, very similar. Right. I mean, it's to the point where, oh, wow, you know, I haven't been reviewing those recordings for years, but that, that particular voice popped. I mean, that was, wow, I know that voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, great. Uh, now we'll move on to two long vocals. This is looped three times. Well, David, you definitely couldn't call that two short vocals. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the long vocals are kind of the classic uh, vocalization for me personally. It's the first vocalization I heard when I was 11 years old at the time. And that uh, was just seared on my brain, that particular vocalization. I really like the long vocals. And to have captured that here was uh, fantastic. Okay, uh, this is a really this is a really neat one. I I I think it's um, you labeled it two knocks, two response knocks, two screams. Yeah, we'll, we'll play it, and, and once again, we'll give some commentary on it. Hey David, I'm I'm going to go yeah. ahead and play that one again. Um, yeah, I'm going to play again. I I think because that's not looped. Um, uh, no, that 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 was not. Um, I forgot to mention that. So I'd like to. I just like to play that one again because I think uh, in the beginning you're going to hear two knocking or percussive sounds followed by two more percussive sounds, and then you get these vocals, these two vocals at the end. I'm going to play this one again. I think it's it's fascinating.
that one there is another one that I'm really, uh, I was really happy to uh, have obtained because you have a succession of stuff going on here. It's not just a knock. It's not just a vocal. You have multiple percussive sounds and you have these vocals all within the same proximity, same time frame. Right. So the, the knocks may be a little bit hard for people um, because they're probably looking or listening for wood knocks. And the first two were probably uh, closer akin to, to power knocks. The second two were more distant wood knocks. So uh, you, you may or may not have heard them. They, um, I can hear them. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I saw them, but uh, it may be difficult for the listener. So maybe what we should do is play it one more time after we're done. But what I thought was interesting is, is the pattern. There was two power knocks, and then there was two distant wood knocks, and then there was two screams. So was there a significance of two and or just coincidental? I don't know, um, but I just found it interesting. All right. Well, I, I found it very interesting as well, and I'm going to play those. I'm going to play that one more time. I can definitely hear it. Hopefully uh, yeah. those, those listening can hear it. And uh, like I said, visually speaking, it's, it's pretty dang interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, great explanation, David. Thank you. And then we're going to get into roar answered. This is looped five times and here we go. Roar answered looped five times. And David, you you labeled that roar answer. You get that you know that roar, that tremendous roar, and then you get uh, a second vocal, something almost like it's answering back to the original vocal. Yeah, and I get that just from the tone of the response. The response did not sound frightened or agitated. It just sounded oh, and it, it was like the roar was intended for it to respond in the fashion it responded. So I, I just didn't get the sense that there was fright, fear, or any of that in the response. Now, would that be a typical response of another species, not to be intimidated? I don't know, but I, I think that what we're dealing with here is two subjects of the same species, my opinion. Okay, and now we're gonna play something labeled short vocal. And David, I will once again go ahead and play this and uh, we can give some more commentary on this one. Here's a short vocal, also looped. 
That one, that one's another interesting one. It reminds me of some sounds that I've heard over the years uh, from the east side of the country or the south, mm-hmm. but definitely up in up in the Pacific Northwest. It's just one of those familiar uh, recordings. <clears throat> yes, it it could be a known animal. I just don't know what it is, and uh, maybe somebody has some experience that might be able to shed some light on it. But uh, for now. To me, it's a and it's an interesting unknown vocal. This is all kind of adding to uh, my previous discussion with Todd Hale, and so um, that's why I wanted to bring David Ellsford because for me, just to play these sounds, these audio clips for you, would not do it justice without having David here to help explain why they're interesting, even though there's a lot of context in the area we were working in. I think David really adds an element of clarity here and so we're going to get into our final clip and like i said folks there we have we have more clips uh we can play these all night and i can't thank david enough but we're going to get into now this this particular audio clip was recorded by todd hale of the Lent project this one um, is one of my favorites of all the audio recordings bar none david what do you think about this particular one uh, we're going to play oh i i love it for for several different reasons uh, the main vocalizer is uh, awesome, but uh, the second vocalizer has that sing-song thing going, uh, high-low, uh, and it is also a um, exact match to a recording vocalizer from Eastern Washington that I recorded 12 years ago. It has some sort of uh, special meaning to me. Uh, you've called it vocalizations and replies, and this one is looped. This recording is looped three times. Vocalizations and replies is what we're calling it, and uh, here we go. That there, David, is a tremendous, for me, a tremendous recording audio. Yeah, piece. it is just so stunning. 
that low vocalizer. I've, uh, I can't say that I've heard anything like that before. It was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and then that uh, high and lo lower pitch response. Like I said, I've recorded that particular vocalization before. That was not a stranger to me. But it's definitely two different vocalizers uh, communicating back and forth, saying whatever it is that they're saying. We played clips from the month of February, the month of March. I have a few from April. We have other recordings. These are just a small portion of what's been recorded in this area. I'm not even through with March yet. <laughs> Shame so, on you. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. You're a busy guy, David. And uh, I'm not the only one sending you stuff. I know uh, you're busy with stuff in North Carolina and blah, blah, blah. Right. You're, you're a busy guy. But uh, what this does for me, these audio recordings on top of everything else, for me personally, kind of paints a picture of maybe what's going on in this area this time of year. Well, kind of, what's, your, what's your opinion? I, you know me, I don't state one way or another. However, in this particular circumstance, we have casted footprints. We have casted hand impressions. We have, I don't want to say brief sightings, but maybe something has been seen by yourself and, and Derek. So, you know, we've, uh, we have history in the area. So we, we, we kind of know what, what's going on. We have some semblance of proof within the, the castings that have come out of the area. The hair. Um, yeah, the hair um, that uh, Cindy has analyzed and uh, told us it matches other hair from other samples from other locations. Yeah, we've got quite a bit going on in this particular location. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a good answer. Uh, obviously, we can't definitively state anything, but uh, you know, that's what we're doing. It's, what we're doing, we're collecting data, collecting data, and um, I think it's not only paying a picture in our heads, but we're kind of getting some results or in the the realm of uh, probability of where to be and when to be. Yeah, it's a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle that you don't like to put together, but you're doing it. You know, piece by piece. Uh, we're we're collecting more information and in, you know parts that make the jigsaw puzzle a little more uh, clear. Well, David, thank you so much for jumping on here, and we'll definitely have you back on soon because uh, this is a a puzzle that's not finished. No, and I'm 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 certain I will find more puzzle pieces. So happy to share with anybody and everybody. Thank you, Dave. I'm counting on it. I'm counting on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Shane. It's been a, been a pleasure. Thanks for listening in on Monster X Radio. And remember, today's myth could be your tomorrow's reality. Until next time.
thank you for joining Monster X Radio. 